You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello and welcome everyone to the Yang and Tang Show, aka the MJ Sportscast. So it's just me here, Jerry Yang, co-host Mike Tang is on assignment, won't be joining us probably another couple weeks or so, but he'll be back. Um, the exciting news of the week is the NFL Draft. After NFL Draft is happening this Thursday. Um, April 28th, with the first round will be there at around 5 p.m. PST. Second round will be uh, the day after, on Friday the 29th, um, 5 o'clock PST as well. Exciting stuff. I think for the Niners originally, we thought this would be a pretty boring first round, potentially a boring second round. But now with all the talks about Debo, a lot of talks about Jimmy G being traded potentially at draft day, it's going to shape up to be a more interesting draft than we thought, or potentially not, (laughs) depending on what John Lynch decides to do. But I think uh, Niner fans will actually watch a lot more than we originally thought we were going to watch or pay more attention to it at least. So one of the big news that came out is Alex Mack, center for the Niners, is most likely retiring. And I think everyone's keeping it on kind of a down low if that's going to happen or not. Um, This kind of reminds me of the Joe Staley situation, right? We're thinking Joe Staley, left tackle of the Niners last uh, two years ago, was probably going to retire. But Lynch didn't confirm it. No one else confirmed it. And then during draft day, he confirmed he was retiring, and there was a big trade for Trent Williams, you know, like a Pro Bowl uh, left tackle Trent Williams came in. It kind of feels the same way for Alex Mack, right? seems like Alex Mack is going to be keeping it kind of hush. We don't know if he's retiring. I know there's the Phase 1 players meeting uh, was this week, and Alex Mack wasn't there. Most of the team was there. Debo wasn't there. I think that was also notable. Uh, but all sides are pointing that probably Alex Mack is not coming back this season, right? It's most likely retiring. If that's the case, I feel like uh, getting someone in the draft becomes way more critical. I think we've underestimated how important the center position was. Uh, before Alex Mack, I think Tom Compton was... Uh, the center, and he didn't do that well, right? We've had a slew of injury, I think, at that position. And having a guy with experience like Alex Mack really solidified the position last season. I think it wasn't an issue. I think maybe the first game there was a botched snap um, with Jimmy G. That, that was all nerves, I feel like. But after that, it was pretty much smooth sailing. You don't hear much from the center position there, so... So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I have a feeling that he's probably going to retire and we'll see a trade happen or uh, a center getting drafted. I think the bigger news now is Debo. What's happening with Debo? I think the Jets are saying they're going to go in. Panthers look like they're interested as well. 
I think for my dream scenario is that we do package, you know, Debo and potentially even Jimmy G and bring in a guy like uh, DJ Moore. You know, to me, DJ Moore is more of a wide receiver one than Debo is kind of a guy that's uh, been killing in the stats, but not getting the credit, you know, and he's been on a, a team where the quarterback isn't great. I think he'll be a perfect guy for someone like Trey Lance to work with and be able to win games with. So that'll be pretty exciting. I know there's a lot of people talking about Brian Burns as well. Um, he's another edge rusher. They're thinking pairing him up with Nick Bosa will be pretty monstrous. And I do agree. There is a lot of uh, depth, I think, at that linebacker position. So, you know, Brian, Brian Burns will be good too. We'll see if uh, potentially. And the Panthers have a number six pick overall too. So I think that's also what makes this trade uh, pretty intriguing if it happens. But we'll see where how it goes. And, you know, I think one of the funny things that we saw on social media was that Debo was, I guess, at a club. You know, he was actually at the club, and there was some uh, other people there. And one of the people had, had like, I guess, a uh, bottle service. And I think at the club, they bring out sparklers, they bring out signs, and, you know, usually it says, like, happy birthday, or, or it says things like, you know, like, congratulations or some milestone. For this particular club, the sign actually said, Debo stayed with the Niners, you know, like, I think uh, the cameraman then pans to the right, and you see Debo Samuels there, kind of squirming and squealing. So I thought I thought that was pretty funny. You know, it was posted by Eddie underscore four zero eight underscore Instagram. Uh, I think it was probably his birthday that he posted that, <laughs> uh, but it was pretty pretty funny, right? Because um, I think a lot of signs, a lot of people are actually read pretty deep into that club scene, saying that Debo is probably out. Because he wouldn't be at the club if he was going to stay with some of the strict training rules and things like that. But, you know, uh, overall, I don't read too much into that. I just thought that was a funny scene. Um, but, yeah, check it out on Instagram if you haven't seen that. It was uh, quite quite hilarious there. And in other Niners news, uh, Niners ex exercised uh, Nick Bosa's fifth-year option as well. This guarantees him back with the team again and $17.85 million. Uh, pretty nice haul from Nick Bosa. You know, and I think he's coming back. We'll see if they work out a long-term contract either this year or next year. With this fifth-year option, I'm assuming next year will be something that they work out towards the end of the season. But we'll see. Um, I think those are one of the staple guys that I know the Niners don't even talk about or even play around with uh, of losing. Right? I don't think they'll ever want to lose someone like Nick Bosa. So I'm expecting a long-term contract to come in pretty soon for him. Uh, but good to good to see that they exercise his fifth-year option at least. Um, so that guarantees him back for their year. I think Aziz Alshair also signs a one-year tender with the Niners. So now he, uh, Drake, Greenlaw are both going to be free agents uh, next year. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully, the Niners can see which one is works out and keep both those guys if they're both good. But uh, glad to see them both back for another season, at least. 
And we have uh, Andrew Peterson. What's up, Jerry? How's it going, Andrew? Thanks for tuning in. So we have our live chat going on both YouTube and Facebook and Twitch. So feel free to leave comments. It's just me for the next couple of weeks. Mike Tay is on assignment. <laughs> so I'll be here by myself trying to keep everyone entertained here. So any comments will be, will be appreciated. Um, so yeah, anyways, I think, yeah, this draft is going to be interesting coming up Thursday. Things to look out for is if, if we get centered, see if Alex Mack gets replaced, does Debo get traded, and what happens to Jimmy G, right? I think there's a lot of talks that if Jimmy G doesn't get traded during the draft, he's most likely to get cut. So pretty big deal. So we'll see what happens Thursday. And I think at this point, um, I'm kind of feeling bad for Jimmy G, right? I, I saw a lot of videos posted. A lot of people are ready to get rid of him, and he's kind of taking it pretty professionally. Uh, one of the things I saw that was kind of interesting is uh, the Rita Oak Twitter page where she's drawing a picture a day until Jimmy G gets traded. And Jimmy G actually responded to that to that account and posted a video where she he thought it was pretty creative and Hopefully, she doesn't have to draw more uh, pictures is what he was saying. Um, so he kind of took it in stride, right? It kind of shows like the professionalism and, that, and the maturity that Jimmy G has versus someone like Baker Mayfield, right? I think Baker Mayfield kind of threw a stink when they heard when he heard Deshaun Watson who was potentially coming to the Browns. You know, and he kind of demanded a trade when... It looked like that uh, trade for Watson fell through. And I think that's a night and day difference between a guy like Jimmy G and Baker. You know, So will Baker ever grow to be someone like Jimmy G? I think that's an open question. Will Jimmy G stay healthy <laughs> enough uh, for a team and be productive? Also another question, right? Um, so I think that is, there's a reason why these two guys are still in the market, you know, and waiting to be traded because – I think both guys have their their deficiencies, you know. So, but I think there's gonna be a lot of questions that get answered on Thursday. If we don't see any movement on Jimmy, then it's gonna be, uh, you know, gonna be some tough decisions made there. So, uh, Andrew says Jimmy has been a class act. I think some of these teams pass on him in the off season are going to regret it. See Mitch Trubisky in Indiana. <laughs> I know, yeah, I kind of feel bad for the Colts, too. They've, uh, or, yeah, not India, it's Pittsburgh. That's right. Rich Trubisky went to the Steelers. So I'm guessing uh, the Steelers are probably going to pick up a quarterback. I'm thinking Kyle Pickett, or Kenny Pickett, and Malik Willis will be the first two picks in terms of quarterback play. So maybe the Steelers get one of them, right? And, the funny part is a lot of people are actually comparing Malik Willis to Trey Lance, mainly because he's very raw, like Lance is, has a lot of uh, arm strength, a lot of um, you know development work that still needs to happen. He has a lot of speed, kind of like Lance. He can kind of get things done uh, with his legs. So it makes me kind of wonder in some ways where, you know, if we did get Lance, if we didn't trade up to number three, and we kind of stuck at number 12, maybe trade up to number seven, we don't get Lance, get some other player, 
you know, would the Niners be making a play for someone like Malik Willis? You know, um, but I, you know, I guess what ifs is kind of in the past now. <laughs> uh, but those are two top two quarterbacks to look out for, right? I think those two guys also has a lot of deficiencies. So I kind of talked about Malik Willis's deficiencies when it comes to Kenny Pickett. A lot of people are saying. He has pretty small hands, which means he doesn't have an arm. You know, his accuracy is kind of in question as well. Um, it comes to kind of show how different the quarterback class is this year versus the last year. Last year, I think there was a abundant full of top quarterbacks, right? I think Zach Wilson, uh, T. Law, Trevor Lawrence, right? And obviously, Mac Jones. Um, those are. And Trey Lance were the top four guys, right? So this year, I think uh, any of those guys would be the obvious number one QB to be off the draft board if uh, if if uh, they waited their season. So so yeah, so it's kind of interesting how how uh, you know thin I guess at the QB position is. And yeah, I think there's two that are projected, and maybe even three projected in the first round because I think a lot of teams are thirsty for quarterbacks, you know. Uh, and try to take a chance on some of these guys and try to develop them. But yeah, so I think the market's there. So we'll see what happens with Jimmy. Uh, my hunch is that there's going to be some movement for for the draft. Um, so we'll stay tuned. We'll kind of see how it goes with with them, with Debo and with Jimmy as well. Okay, so let's move on to the Warriors. Warriors did lose game four in Denver. Um, I think this was the first time we saw Jordan Poole struggle in the playoffs, which I think is good. It actually helps uh, set some reality checks to Poole to tell that, hey, the playoffs aren't easy. Got to pick it up. He kind of feels the heat a little bit. I think one of the biggest scenes, though, was that Draymond was ejected in the fourth quarter right, of this game. And I think that really impacted how the Nuggets and how the Warriors were in closing out that game. And I think they didn't lose too much. Uh, I think the Warriors were in it pretty much the whole game, even towards the end. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see them go home for game five. I think this will be the first time uh, the Warriors had a chance to close it out. If they somehow close out the series on Wednesday, which I think they will, then um, it'll be the first time in Chase Center where that happened, you know, I actually add some magic to, to chase center. Now I think, uh, Oracle arena had a lot of closeouts, had championships there. And so it'll be good to see, uh, chase center get its new legacy as well. So I, I'll get my picks later on in the show, but I guess a preview is I, I feel like the Warriors are going to close it out in game five. So, and move on. Um, so that'll be good. All right, and then MLB news, MLB. We'll talk a little bit about the Giants. So, Jock Peterson, I think, in the last game against uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, he was actually heckled by a fan. You know, I think a, a fan really was screaming at him. A lot of people were doing the crybaby face to him, and it actually distracted him. I think he had a mound pause, you know, like he was at the plate. He stepped out of the plate for a little bit because of that. They got back in the batter box and hit a home run. But afterwards, he, you know, kind of yelled at the fan, did the Superman, like, you know, shirt pull, came back and screamed at the fan. So I guess one thing I can uh, say about that is, yes, not professional, very bad <laughs> stuff. 
But someone like John Peterson kind of reminds me of someone like Draymond, where if he's on your team, you kind of laugh off what he does, likes the production, and thinking, you know, he's a fun guy to have on your team. But I can also see why opposing teams are really against him. <laughs> why he's not very popular against opposing teams, you know? So, and I know there's a lot of people that kind of burned him on social media, especially talking about how unprofessional he was and all this stuff. But I mean, the production from John Peterson is real, though. If you look at some of the stats where the Giants swept the Nationals, it was very productive. You know, like he gave hits, gave home runs, gave scoring runs, RBIs. He's a productive hitter, you know, and I think his personality is kind of what it is. And so I don't know, like, how much people value personality and production, but I feel like with uh, production, you kind of get away with a lot more, right? And that's how, that's how it's being shaped out for uh, Peterson here. So, and then uh, Andrew Peterson says, I love it. Good for TV. No, I agree. I agree. And I know, Andrew, you're a big uh, Oakland A's fan. So, I'll kind of talk about the A's as well because the Giants are coming back, coming back to Oakland, starting a Bay, uh, Bay Bridge series, which is kind of a weird, unique uh, <laughs> series because I think it's only a two game series between Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, the Brewers only played one game uh, series with the Giants. I think a lot of it had to do with the lockout, the MLB lockout, the skip, um, and the kind of skipping a few uh, games in the first week because of that. And so they're kind of making it up with this uh, weird schedule coming up. And so the A's, the A's coming out. I think one of the things that uh, I read online is that the Las Vegas Aviators, which I think is a minor league team of or triple A team for the Oakland A's, they actually outdrew attendance records for the main team, right? So the Oakland A's had 3,748 uh, fans in attendance, one of the lowest, I think, in, in a while. I think within the 90s was one of the stats they had. And the Las Vegas triple uh, A team had 5,607. So that's like a 2,000 more fans attending a triple-A team than, than the actual Oakland team, you know? So it kind of shows that uh, all sides are pointing that the A's are probably moving to Las Vegas. You know, I know recently there has been some challenges. Uh, some of the city officials were pushing back a little bit. I think they were just looking for some political posturing and keeping the A's from there, from going there without paying some taxes. I think that's what's eventually going to happen. But it's not looking good for Oakland, though. I mean, with the tennis record, I heard uh, also increased season tickets for the A's, which also discourages some people from attending. Um, I'm wondering how much of it is by design, because they want that new stadium, how much of it is actual revenue that they're trying to get back up. Right, so, but as an A's fan, I'm not feeling great, you know. I uh, wouldn't be feeling great here. So, and Andrew Peterson says, I honestly still don't think this is a location issue. This is an ownership and maintain talent to build wealth outside the stadium. Could be. It could be both, right? It could be the location in terms of the Oakland City versus ownership. You know, and that's kind of the way I see it. I th I'm feeling like 
the A's ownership is kind of making a stink because they want a new stadium and they want it in downtown where obviously there's going to be more revenue generated, more fans in attendance. And uh, the city is being a little bit difficult about it, right? And that's where the move is possibly going to happen. <clears throat> so I think it's a little bit of both when it comes to that. And, you know, I think it's very unfortunate because the casualties of when something like this happens isn't really the players. Players are going to get paid, right? They're going to get paid. It's not really what the fans either. Because the fans can watch the sport on TV. They can travel to Vegas. Vegas is not that far from Oakland, right? Maybe some of the long-term season ticket holders will kind of feel it. But even then, it's a luxury item, right? Like, long-time season ticket holders can, you know, they buy tickets, but they're, you know, they're, it's just a hobby for them, you know? But the real casualties, I think, is the people that run the concessions, you know? I think the concession people, the groundskeeper crew... Uh, once they move out, they're out of a job, you know. And this some some of it I know is a part time job for these people, or there's like a second job for them. But still, they're still losing out income, right? And they're kind of like the lowest common common denominator when it comes to this big production, though, as MLB Sports, right? Um, so my heart goes out to those people, right? I think those are those are the real victims when something like this happens, and really sucks. I I really feel for them. You know? So hopefully we'll see what happens because there's a, definitely a lot of drama with the Vegas uh, move. So potentially that might discourage the A's a little bit. Maybe they'll warm up more to Oakland. But, you know, I'll lead towards that movie out. And I guess the last thing I want to talk about in terms of MLB is on unwritten rules. So this was actually talked about a lot uh, the last few games with the Giants and them breaking unwritten rules. I think it started with, uh, you know, the I think it was a Padres series or an actual series where the Giants took a pretty early lead. I think it was like a 7-0 lead, and they bunted, right, in the eighth. I think that really, you know, angered opposing you. Uh, coach, posing manager, and the team as well. And then more recently in this national series, uh, Tyro uh, Estrada tries to steal and score in the ninth inning when they're up nine, uh, six runs as well. Right, he tries to steal home, try to score and run. And then I think Escobar, uh, I see this Escobar is what I tagged him out, and he was really upset. You know, and the whole Nationals team was very upset that he broke an unwritten rule. Um, to me, though, I think unwritten rules are kind of lame, you know? And I don't know if uh, Andrew and whoever and all the people that are listening, if you guys agree with me, but, you know, if you don't like unwritten rule, try to stop it, right? Like, don't be down six runs or whatever <laughs> and then start complaining when people try to get more runs. And as a fan in attendance, I want to see my team uh, keep competing till the end. I mean, I bought a ticket for the whole game, not just to watch the first couple innings when they're up and then just kind of mail it in for the rest of the game. You know, so I kind of appreciate in some way the gamership um, and, you know, people see it as poor sportsmanship. But to me, you're at the pro level, right? You're not really at this fuzzy, you know, um, 
uh, participation trophy type of league. You know, <laughs> there is a mercy rule for a reason. It's because you paid a lot of money to see your team compete out there, right? So, so if you're making big time money and making a lot of uh, a big salary, and you're paying a lot of money to see these guys, you should definitely see them play till the end. And let's see, Andrew Peterson says, I would 100% agree with the point of games to score the most points possible. We have big league players making big time money on one team, like the Padres could rally at any moment. But if you tag out or throw down at base, do not walk on the pitcher mound. That is a big no no. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you throw out the base, do not walk on the pitcher mound, right? I don't think he walked on the pitcher mound, eh? I don't think that happened, but yeah, I mean, there's certain unwritten rules like that. I don't, I'm fine with that, but if it's a competitive rule, you know, in general, though, where do these unwritten rules come from? You know, I think it's all from tradition baseball, whatever, right? It all comes from the players, whatever it is. Um, Andrew says it's an unwritten rule, so okay. So, if you're tagged out or thrown out at base, do not walk on the pitcher mound. That's big, no. so it's kind of like I think uh, Aaron Dixerson back in the Niner days wouldn't walk on the logo, right? <laughs> of the Niners, I think it's kind of like that unwritten rule, some superstition, I guess, plays into it as well. So, I, I, I get it, I, I kind of get that that rule mainly because it's unnecessary but i think it's different when you're being competitive right so i think a lot of what um what i'm thinking with those scoring opportunities where i'm big it happens you know so yeah yeah i get it so and then Andrew says it's because opposing teams can step on the mound uh, where the pitcher plants his foot and cause injuries. Yeah, so there is some logic to that. So I think in the rules of safety, I get it, you know, but maybe that's what people are thinking when they get outraged. They don't want, you know, a, a six point or six run lead, you know, want to cause more injury, I guess. But at, at that point, why do you care? You know, you already lost a lot. I'm thinking the MLB was also talking about uh, run differential uh, as a tiebreaker uh, for the playoffs. So I think running up the score does become a little important if that's the case. You know, I know in college football, that was one big stat is how much you win by. Uh, the margin of victory uh, stat kind of plays in there. So potentially MLB, I think, was thinking about incorporating that rule in there. So I think uh, all these unwritten rules kind of go out the window if that's the case. You know. All right, so let's move on to the picks of the week. You know, I'm trying to work out some uh, dramatic music when it comes to picks of the week. I should reach out to my buddy Joey, who makes our theme song. If you listen to the podcast, right, we have like an intro and an outro song. Uh, we're gonna try to get like a song for picks as well. I think that'll be kind of funny to to hear right before we do picks. You know, it's always not very dramatic when I just say you know, picks of the week, <laughs> but I think some music will uh, definitely help there. So I think the first uh, pick I'm gonna make is gonna be with the Giants and the A's series. It's two game series, like I talked about. Uh, Dalton Jeffries versus Carlos Rodon. Redon has been rolling these days, right? The Paul Blackburn versus TBD. 
I think the main reason why it's TBD is because it's most likely going to be a bullpen uh, matchup. Uh, did talk about it earlier, but we actually lost two starters with Alex Coppy out and uh, Alex Wood being hurt, right? Um, so the Giants are kind of short-staffed. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with the lineups there. Uh, but yeah, so I think when it comes to picking teams, though, this is kind of a tough one, mainly because I feel like, you know, Carlos Rodon's doing good, but so oh, sorry, I, I said, I think I said Alex Wood that got hurt. It's actually Discafani who got hurt, right? So Alex Cobb and Discafani, two of our starters got hurt. Uh, in the third slot was supposed to be Discafani. He's out for 60 days, and that's why it's kind of a bullpen matchup. Uh, I think Sammy Long's probably going to start the game, but he's only going to be there for probably three innings before they make a switch. So to me, I'm still going to go a little bit conservative here. I would say Carlos Rodon keeps his dominance and you know makes a pretty low-scoring game for the A's, and the offense pulls it out. So I'll pick sides there. I'll pick the Giants on that pick. And then, you know, not knowing too much about Paul Blackburn, I know it's really hard to really win these bullpen games, especially, you know, you're only throwing for three or two or three innings at a time. Very unpredictable. Uh, for the team that's rolling out the bullpen, you're at a disadvantage, right? Because you're kind of trying to play matchups and trying to play um, – play that game there so not a lot of stability when it comes to the pitching staff as well um the next day you kind of feel it i guess in the next game especially because you burned out a lot of the bullpen for the next game um but for those reasons i'll go with the a's so i think it's gonna be a one-one series kind of a series split and i think notoriously in the past has always been like that um the advantage i think goes to the home team usually though so I think the Giants have a uh, home advantage for both games. So I wouldn't be surprised if it goes 2-0, but most likely I'm thinking it's going to be 1-1. One and, and, and yeah, it'll be a tight series. And then we go, and then the Nationals did come in on Friday. So that'll be a fun series to watch as well, uh, considering we swept them on the road. Let's see if they get revenge or you know keep our dominance there. All right, and then the next pick I'm going to make is on the Warriors versus Nuggets game five back at Chase Center. You know, this is a pretty uh, big game for for the Warriors. Uh, they have to close out the series, get some rest for some of the players. And this game is happening on Wednesday, so tomorrow uh, from the time I'm recording this. The Warriors are favored by minus eight and a half. The over-under is 225.5. So I'm going to go with the over-under first. It's actually a pretty pretty high over-under, especially for a playoff game, right? You typically don't really see 225s. Uh, usually it's around the 215, 220 mark. Uh, this one kind of tips the scale on that, that higher side. Uh, because of that, I'm going to go with the over. Right, kind of my rule. If it's too low, you go for the under. If it's too high, go for the over. Uh, Vegas kind of knows what they're doing when they set their lines. Um, they try to trick you into picking the other side because they want you to kind of put money on that side, right? They try to get the balance uh, on the scale. So I would say 225 on the over. 
so the eight and a half is where I'm kind of struggling with because I know I'm thinking the Warriors win this game. Um, they're going to close it out. They always do better at home. And, you know, there's always so much you can do with Djokovic, right? I think him carrying the whole team for the whole series already, there's definitely a burnout factor there. I'm thinking Jordan Poole plays a lot better, especially he got that wake-up call in the last game. Draymond is, is a little bit more careful about getting ejected, hopefully. And so, but the thing is, eight and a half is a big spread, right? I mean, that's uh, kind of right in that sweet spot of, you know, blowout versus no blowout. That's really like uh, on the cusp of double digits. But because it's a big spread, I think I'll go with uh, the Warriors by the eight and a half. Not feeling super confident about it, but I'm thinking that's uh, that's going to be a good pick for this game. So, so I'll go for that eight and a half. So yeah, so kind of wild. I think uh, some of the things I didn't get to touch upon is on. I think one thing I want to talk about is also the Nets being eliminated. That kind of happened yesterday. Uh, they actually got swept by the Celtics. They had to play a play-in series to get the number seven seed. This was the first time KD actually got swept out of the playoffs. You know, and I think a lot of people were talking about Ben Simmons. You know, I think that was a hot topic mainly because Ben Simmons. They didn't see the court since he got traded to the Nets. You know, were they better off of Harden? But Harden wanted to be traded out, you know. So Nets are kind of in this scramble mode and trying to get uh trying to see what's gonna happen for the rest of the season. And their season started out pretty hot, I thought, right? Um, uh, with Harden, with Durant, um, and with Kyrie there. It started like looking like it's gonna be a pretty strong team. Uh, you know, we didn't know how Kyrie and Harden were gonna get along, but then the whole drama with the vaccine stuff, then we saw that oh Kyrie is not gonna play home games, he's gonna miss a few games, so a lot of drama there. And then the trade happened, you know, they got Seth Curry, Andre Drummonds, and uh Ben Simmons. And business kind of caused a big uh, stink in, in the Sixers, right? Um, so there was a lot of drama there as well. And he kind of brought the drama with the Nets. So very unpopular player. Uh, a lot of memes were actually going around uh, on Twitter. I think one of them would see him on the bench. He was wearing like very colorful outfits. So there was that big meme of uh, you know the SWAT team on the side. Everyone's wearing black, but then there's one one person wearing a clown outfit. That was kind of an analogy for Ben Simmons. And after the Nets got swept out, I actually saw a tweet where someone says, "Oh, Ben Simmons is coming back for Game Five. Yeah. <laughs> so I think all the all the jokes are coming out. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting that I saw. On social media as well is the fact that uh, his gallery report came out right for Ben Simmons, and one of the things that really really stand out to me is their analysis. And I'll kind of read you uh, what they said. Right, this is Simmons' lack of competitiveness in crucial games has raised questions about his character. Those who know him best says he things he needs things to revolve around him on and off the court. And he's often been close minded to coaching or instruction. And, you know, we're starting to see that to be true, right? We're starting to see that Simmons is not great competitively. It is being difficult and wanting the world to revolve around him, you know? So um, 
I think in the future uh, for teams, uh, we kind of have to take those scout reports pretty seriously. You know, like that was very spot on. Um, I'm wondering for trades and for other players, we should kind of read those scout reports to see how it goes. I know it can be really inaccurate as well, right? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure Steph Curry's uh, scout report is more on his injury, right? Like he's been pretty injury prone in the past, good shooter, probably bad defensively. I would imagine that's probably the scout report. And look at him now, right? He's like pretty healthy overall, barely any freak injury, knock on wood. He's really competitive. His defense is great now as well. He's a low-key, like, good defender in terms of stealing the ball, guarding uh, people twice the size at times. So it's kind of hard to say for those type of things. But when it comes to character issues, I feel like they get it right more times than wrong. You know, so uh, a lot of examples can be seen with, like, someone like Alden Smith in football, right? And then also with... Um, I think other players like that. So, so yeah, I think we kind of have to watch out and see how those things go. But if a player does have good character, it's kind of hard to build it back up, you know, versus someone who's, you know, not good at throwing or is assistant quarterback or something like that. I feel like he kind of worked around it. So, all right. Well, I think that's mainly the topics I have for today. So, Andrew Peterson, thank you for tuning in as always. Uh, please leave some comments on our YouTube page as well. Uh, I'll be looking at some of those comments for this day forward as well. So, hit the subscribe button. I know a lot of people are tuning in from Facebook, so much appreciated. I know we have someone from uh, Twitch as well, so much appreciate that. Um, try to build up our Twitch page. And YouTube mainly, uh, we had a hiatus with uh, YouTube for a while, but we're back on. So try to get that subscriber base back up. So if you can hit the like and the subscribe button on YouTube, I think it's posted like maybe a day after the broadcast. So that's why you'll see it right away. But, you know, if you can help us out, uh, hit the subscribe there. I think that will really help us out a lot. All right, well, I think that's it for today. Uh, tune in for the draft. I think that's the biggest news. Uh, tune in for the Warriors playoff. Hopefully we close it out in five. I'm thinking we do. And then the Bay Bridge series is coming up. So always very excited to see the Bay Area teams go at it. So I think there's a lot going on this week. A lot of news, especially with Debo, Jimmy, and with Alex Mack that's coming up now. So a lot of things to in on. Those are key things I'll be focusing on. I think next week uh, we can talk about it again. So thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in, and have a good day. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at Mind of Jerry 11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.